Fill her up. You're listening to the Gas Digital Network. Master amongst timers, Sages, the king of ring himself. But your boy, Thicky Smalls, Gerard Michaels, in the house. Welcome back, ladies, to another episode of Slick and Thick. Just the ladies? Yeah, the boys can go screw off. <laughs> this is Gas Digital. It's your boy, the funniest man you never heard of, Gerard Michaels. Think he smalls himself. And to my right, sitting today, so you may not know, six foot three, 200 yeah. pounds, and every single one of them is a problem. The CEO of the RNC, the master of punks, the tamer of sages, the king of the ring himself, pretty Mickey Gall. What's up, Mickey? What up, Big G? I'm doing great. I'll tell you why I'm doing great. Yeah. We have a legend in studio today, bud. Hell yeah. Who we got in studio today, Mick? We got a former UFC champion of the world, Sugar Rashad Evans. The Sugar. The champ oh, is here. The champ. the champ is here. What's going the champ on, everybody? Is here. What's going on? The champ is here. The champ what is up, here. Sugar? The champion what of the world. What's, what's that feel up, like to be up? champion of the world, man? Uh, it, it was quite an amazing experience, man. It was uh, quite the experience. It was crazy because it all happened so fast. You know, I, re- I remember thinking, like, after I won, I'm just like, damn, that, that was it. <laughs> really? Know? Yeah, it was just a weird, I had a weird emotional night that night. It was like, I didn't drink any alcohol, didn't do any party drugs, none of that. I was just sober, didn't even really eat food. I was just kind of like in a state of mind, like, damn, did that shit just really happen? Did you wear the belt all day? Like, did you wear just wear the belt around? Uh, I, I did. I did wear it around. I brought it to the club, and I just sat there and just, you know, watched everybody. It's like, oh, my gosh. And I was just like, damn, this shit is kind of fake, but. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know how people are, man. People people get like, you know, they, they get the vapors real quick. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Well, I do know. I do know how it is because, you know, Rashad, I won the Pan Am. Fuck. Hey. Uh, he got a- it out already. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. I can't believe anytime there's a fighter in here, GS up, make sure he lets them know that he won Pan Am's one time. You won Pan Am's? He couldn't. Wait, no, no, don't, don't play into it, Rashad. No, I want to know. No, it was no, a very, no, I'm out of here. I'm it was a very here. difficult tournament. There were so many great, <laughs> talented athletes from all across the globe. He won like a white belt. It was, was blue. It was blue. It was a blue belt. It was blue. Hey, okay. How many people you fight? Uh, five. Okay, five. That's, that's tough, man. Yeah. Did you hear tough. that, Mickey? Don't, don't, I fought. It's don't, tough. Don't. Mickey, listen. Look, being a competitor is not as easy as one thinks. You got the opponent okay. on one side, and then you have to face yourself, and that is the hardest challenge, and you know that. Yeah, that's facts. Um, I can't believe you didn't pile on G with me. I, I'm, I, I, I appreciate what you said. I appreciate what you said. I, I appreciate what you said. You took it as a teaching moment. The champ is here. I, I respect it. I like it. Uh, you, you're right. You're right. You're right. No, man. Right. But dude, you are the you're the champion of the freaking world. Everything in your whole life led up to that moment. You got your hand raised, and you're just you weren't pumped about it, man. You weren't. Yeah, like I said, I, I was pumped, but I had like a lot of weird emotions. I just didn't really know what to feel you know I, I felt as if like um i enjoyed chasing a belt chasing a belt for me was probably the funnest mm. part about it because uh it was always just like all right i gotta prove myself i gotta prove myself i gotta mm. prove myself and and having that mindset it was uh it was a comfort for me because i knew i was going to be the underdog i knew that you know i would go in there and take some people by surprise just because they weren't expecting me to be as good as i was so i felt as if like 
I just felt comfortable in that position, you know, and being a champion, you gotta, you gotta change your mindset in order to face the challenges that now look at you as their big opportunity. Have you ever heard, um, it's interesting to hear you say that. Yeah, it's super interesting. Have you ever it's heard? It's like the being on the hunt. You, yeah. You, you preferred that, being on the hunt, to the, uh, instead of reaching the mountaintop. It wasn't as. Yeah, I, I, I know, like uh, I have a coach that say, you know, um, you never want to reach the top because after you reach the top, there's only one place to go, which is down, mm. you know, so. Yeah, that's the old cliche. It's one thing to old, get there. It's, it's a harder thing to stay there. Right. right? Yep. And, and, and there's the thing about it. When you get up to the top, your mindset has to switch over from being how it was before. Tyson Fury has a kind of famous quote about this, not the same, but it's interesting that in how similar it is. He was talking about fighting Klitschko, knowing in the fight that he's beating Klitschko and feeling this overwhelming depression come over him in the later rounds going, I'm about to be heavyweight champion of the world. There's nothing for me. The rest of my life is, is nothing. This is it. This is the pinnacle. And he's talking about this while he's in the ring with yeah. Klitschko. This is what's going through his mind is that what should have been the pinnacle of his career, the greatest moment of his life. And all he's feeling is this depression and, and sadness that's coming over him. Yeah, I mean, I, I, can, I can totally understand that. I mean, you know, it's it's a story you tell yourself to wake up and push yourself through the training. You know, you have to have a story. You have to have a narrative in your mind that, that pushes you to do what you need to do in, in, inside competition. And for me, you know, it was that I'm the underdog. I got to go out there and, you know, they're all against me. And I just told myself this crazy shit to just always be able just to be able to hit a switch and be able to be on point and be ready to go. And once I, like, I won, I was like... Damn, that was kind of that was it. <laughs> you know, it was it was, a, it was a weird feeling, but at the same time, I wasn't I wasn't disappointed. I was just kind of like surprised. I wasn't like more elated or crying or something like that. You know, you almost like now the real work begins. Yeah, now the like, real work begins for sure. Uh, for sure, it's a little anticlimactic for you. A little bit, a little yeah. bit. I'm gonna be honest. I'm a little bit. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Like what you were just saying about Tyson, it's almost like the like the kind of like the self-awareness and it can almost be like a, a detriment. Does that, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where it's almost like you're like, yeah, all right, I did it. Like I've, you know, I've won the fights before I did it. And then you're like, all right, now what's next? Right. It's it, kind of that hedonic treadmill. Where right. you're like, all right, what's next now? Yeah. Like how are you going to recreate the game in your mind? Because you have to recreate your game in your mind. You can't be, you can't be the challenger, you know, when, when you're defending the belt, you have to understand that these guys are going to come in with a different energy towards you. So the energy you have to have towards them just has to be, it has to be different. You, you can't go into the cage and someone being hungrier than you. Did you mm. always know that you had it in you to be the champion? Did um, you, when you started with the competing, you know, especially in the weight class where you did, where you were consistently undersized for your well, weight class, well, right? Let's actually, since the Ultimate Fighter is going on right now, uh, Rashad, you did something crazy where you competed at heavyweight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you were weighing what, like 215? <laughs> yeah, I was like two. But walking around at 215. Yeah. By the way, yeah. So. Rashad did say, this is the first time we actually met, he did say I was big as shit when, uh, when I walked in here. Yeah. I'm walking around about 215 right now. Yeah. yeah. So that's like me competing at heavyweight right yeah, now. Yeah, those guys for are sure. crazy. And you compete at 170. Exactly. So you could have easily cut to 170. Well, don't say, I don't know, easily, but well, he, he fought it, he was, he was the... You could have reasonably cut to 170. Yeah, 100%. You agree? 100, I could have. I thought you were, you were big, man. Well, he's, yeah, he's, I, you were the 205 champ. He was thick. Champ. He was thick. Yeah, 205 you know? champ, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I bulked up to get to heavyweight. So like, 
when I got the call to be on the Ultimate Fighter show, I was 195 pounds. No oh, right. you way. Could've, you could have made 170. Yeah, yeah, yeah I was yeah. 195 pounds, and then I started That's to bulk wild. up to to be able to be on the show. Well, I, I want to get back to the, the the question I asked before, but we have talked about this a lot on the show, and there seems to be very differing opinions. Do you think the old school wrestler mentality of sucking out as much as you possibly can, getting to the absolute lowest weight class, is still the best way to go, or do you think it benefited you to even though you may have been smaller, you you were faster, you weren't you weren't sucking yourself out at all? You, you know, is it better to compete at a is it, it what would you say a more natural weight class? Is that yeah. is that what you'd say? Maybe. I think it's better to compete at a more natural weight class, and, and I say that because what, what a lot of guys don't realize when they're cutting that weight is that when they're cutting that weight, they're cutting out a lot of things that's going to be able to aid them in a fight. You know, being able to have the fast switch response and being able to have just the, the muscles to be able to have the endurance and all the things that go along with it on a physical aspect. And then, you know, you have these guys, if you're one of the guys who fights close to your weight, you, you're eating normal. You're eating normal. You're having a pretty clean diet, but you're eating normal. And when it comes time to, you know, bring the fight to the war of attrition, you have much more more ability. Probably have more energy. More, energy, more to draw from. More to draw from. And yeah. uh, I always felt like, you know, guys that will cut a lot of weight, as a fight went on, they will kind of tailor off, like the kind of taper off, and their strength would kind of diminish and things like that. And I was just now kicking into my second gear. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, you, yeah, you hear that like with Pereira. He said he would never fight at that weight class again. It just was too hard for him. Yeah, and he felt like it, it just took it out of him too much. But then you see other guys. Uh, there, there's legends of Anderson Silva walking around at like 220 and cutting down the 185. Yeah, like you know. So it, it, I don't know. Is it, it that size? Definitely. I imagine being bigger does help, right? I mean, if you can put it back the right way, and, and I say that because you know now you're not allowed to do any kind of like any the the IV. Uh, hydration methods anymore so now you have to really put it in manually speaking and that could be hard to do with the time that you have to do it and then you still got to get in food as well I mean, when you were able to do an IV you're able to fill up with liquids and then still have your stomach empty so you can fill up on food. Do, do you think people yeah, still do that anyway? Balance. I mean how can you how can you check whether people are filling? Yeah I mean you, you can get away with it but the penalty behind it, if you do get caught, can really cost you. And people talk a lot. So if you do do it, you have to make sure you have a, a camp that's pretty buttoned up. But, yeah, you definitely can still do it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know it's it, it's difficult like because you're trying to, like, pound the water. And then you got to, like, eat. So you got to, like, kind of wait. But you're like, I want to get this. And it's, it's like, kind of, like, uh, stressful. It is stressful. You know stressful. what I mean? Even it though it's, stressful. like, the nice time where it's like, all right, I get to eat again and all this stuff. And I get to, you know, feel good. I've, I've just felt like crap for about a week. Yeah. You know? Um, you get to, like, satiate all that stuff. But at the same time, it's, like, it's a stressful thing where you're like, all right, I'm, my, I'm all, my belly's all full of water. I'm, like, sloshing around here. Yeah. Now I got to go and, uh, you know, I got to make sure I eat. I want my carbs. I got to get my, you know, a little bit of protein, all that stuff. Yeah, because the thing about it is, and if you eat the wrong thing, then you can find yourself on the toilet the whole night. So then you're going to be end up losing more weight than you would have lost because now you got the runs and now body, you can't, your body can't adjust. Your body to it can't that adjust quickly. it that Interesting. fast. Yeah. So it, it's a it's a very slow method. Like what we'll do is we'll just kind of sip on the water, even though we wanted to pound it. We'll just kind of sip on it throughout the whole day. Just keep sipping it. Yeah. Once you made weight, did you? Ever That's what they always say. They're always like, yeah, like like sip it, sip it, don't like pound it. <laughs> yeah, you gotta sip because, it because you can like your body's not not ready for it. It could like reject it. Yeah. Like, yep. Yeah. And it's better to have it. Uh, kind of room temperature or warm water so that way it assimilates your body better because when it's cold then it's kind of 
even more disruption. Yeah, drink a couple beers, get those carbs back in there, you, know? <laughs> you know, loosen up a little bit. You got to fight tomorrow, loosen yeah, up a little might bit. Might as well, right? Did you, ever fi- did you ever have a fight where you thought the size mattered? Where you were like, man, this guy's just maybe, this, this is a lot of weight. This is a lot of size. Nah. Yeah, because you were always seemed faster, quicker to the punch. Your speed was seemed to be a huge a benefit at that level. Yeah, I felt as if like... I was strong enough to handle with these guys. Like they weren't just gonna manhandle me, but at the same time, I did feel like they were they were big guys. But I'll say they're they're big, but I'm faster, mm. and that's what be my counter to anything that you know any attributes they had. They were big, you know. I'm you know they may be a little stronger. I'm like yeah, but I'm I'm quick. You know I can move out the way. They're not gonna grab me. Make it heavyweight sound pretty good, to old Mickey G over there. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right about hey, now. You got a heavyweight so like, sound pretty back good. Maybe I'll go back 85. Maybe I do. <laughs> you know, that's it. I, you just gotta stay quick out there, and, and that's what I always try to do is just try to be quick and try to be elusive, and you know work. I, what I, my whole game when I fought was always to try to get my opponents frustrated, and it was either through me being like cocky or me just moving around a lot or me just kind of you know kind of taunting them a little bit it, but it worked was, for yeah, rampage it, it, that's it was, for sure it was a method behind my madness because once you get an opponent mad you get them fighting out of their emotions and when they fight out of their emotions mm. they're now calculated they're out the game plan so then they they throw punches where they throw and they bring their hips forward makes it easy for me to take them down you know, and they're less calculated, so it made it easier, and it made it so that I was able to make up for whatever area I wasn't better than them. Because a lot of times, I wasn't better than these guys that I will, that I will beat, but I would just had a better strategy. Well, I mean, that's pretty yeah. humble, but I mean, you know, at the end of the day, one person gets their hands raised, you know what I'm that's saying? Right. It's like, yeah, you know, it's hey, true. you know, buddy, I'm not better than you, but I'm just going to go ahead and take it anyway, <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. yeah. The, um, when, you, when you're talking about being a fighter and you're talking about these sort of strategies and staying in your discipline, what what are you looking for specifically? Like, like we talk about a rampage. You never know what's real with rampage and what's yeah. not, but you clearly got under his skin. Yeah, well, I mean, with rampage, I... I plant a seed earlier, right? Like you plant a seed with the trash talking. And then eventually when you trash talk, they're going to tell you how you can beat them. And they'll, and they'll say it by just by really not even paying attention. Like for instance, when I was going to fight Chuck Liddell, Chuck was like, oh man, Rashad, you know, if he thinks he's going to eke out, a, you know, another decision that he has another thing coming. So then I knew if I moved around a lot and I really frustrated him, he would come charging. And that's what I wanted him to do. I wanted him to come charge, and I wanted him to just be a little bit less calculated and just really try to just to rip my head off and play the counter game. Bro, I saw that uh, clip of you knocking him out on Instagram today. They were showing like like something oh, like that. did? Yeah, it was like in like the greatest Christian, we knockouts have, ever. We oh, have man. internet, don't we? Yeah. We crazy. can maybe pull up a clip when someone's talking about it. <laughs> yeah, they don't like to show that one too much on whenever at the UFC they don't show that one too much at the on the uh when you know when it comes on like at like when it comes on like when you're in in, in the UFC uh, event they have like something that comes on right before the main event comes on it's like a montage of all their biggest moments and that moment is not on there. It's not no? there? No, it's not on there. Well, you know, Chuck is still an icon. You know? Yeah, you I mean, Chuck, Chuck you listen, I, I absolutely love Chuck. You know, the, the, one of the best things that that's great about this sport is being able to just 
be cool with people that you fight with. And and for some reason, especially we all, when you beat them. I'm, yeah, I mean, but we, we <laughs> but we all gel together, man. And it's always uh, extra easy when you beat them. Yeah, it's, it's always extra <laughs> easy. Little, it's always extra easier. easy. But I don't you, know what you're talking about. He's a great guy. No, I'm friends with people who beat me though. Like uh, Anthony Smith, he's a good friend of mine. He knocked me out in the first round. Mm. So, uh, but we're we're good friends though. We're good friends. But uh, Chuck was one of those guys that was just. Oh, there it is. Oh, here. Oh, that's, oh, that's Rampage. Rampage. That's me and Rampage that's right a, there. Uh-oh. Nice, nice double leg there. I think that's after he uh, he caught me with a, a uppercut or something. All right, we got to keep this to like five seconds or less before Daddy Dana pulls uh, pulls our, <laughs> our copyright card. That was pro- probably one of my favorite seasons of The Ultimate Fighter to watch. It was when you guys were the coaches. Oh, man, that was a fun one. That was, that was excellent. Uh, uh, Gerard's favorite person, Brennan Schaub, was on the show. Oh, yeah, B. Schaub was on the show. That's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah Brennan, Brennan's, a, <laughs> Brennan's a good guy. Good guy, Brennan Schaub. Yeah, Brennan Schaub was on the show. Yeah, it, it was a good show, man. Me and Rampage... Uh, it, it was beef, man. Like yeah, it, we, it was. Was it legit or was it made oh, for TV? Oh, it was legit. Really it was legit to the point where they would have to tell us. Like they pulled us aside a couple times. Like guys, listen, we need to, we need to finish the show. But you guys, every single time you're around each other, all you do is fight, and we got to film the show. So they asked us to kind of cool it down a little bit, but it wouldn't take much because what what happened is. Rampage had like his 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 cackling group that that he was with, you know, and anything he said it was just so goddamn funny, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> ah, Rampage, right? So th- he'll say something to me, and next thing you know, I'm just like, I'm not gonna take this shit. I'm not gonna let you sit up here and raise your leg on me like I'm a fucking fire hydrant and just piss all over me whenever you want. I'm like, no, bro, we're gonna have it out. So every single time I seen him, I'm like, we can we can go, we mm-hmm. can go. And one time in particular, uh, we were out out in public and uh, I was at a club and didn't even know he was in a club. And then he jumped down out of out of this booth and jumped in my face and started talking shit like how we normally do. And I'm just like, are we gonna get it in here? I, I mean, yeah. okay, I'll give a free fight. And then the security guards came and they ended up kicking me out of the club. Get out yeah. of here. Yeah, they kicked me you out of the club. You know why? Because you weren't in the A-team, bro. That's, what, that's, exactly, that's exactly why. It was, that was it, that was it, that was it. <laughs> Gotta get your game yeah. up, bro. Yeah, that was it. You can so, tell. Is there still beef there? Nah, it, it's like, it's been cool. Like we did a movie together. Um, we did a movie together um, called Boss Level, and uh, we played German twins. Nice, no yeah, shit. Yeah, the we, Bundesliga. Yeah, <laughs> ah. you could tell. You could tell too that he was very used to intimidating people, and it was bothering him. He couldn't intimidate you. Yeah, it you was. could tell. It started getting. He started getting like, "What's wrong with this dude?" Like, yeah, he's like, "What's wrong with this little yeah. motherfucker?" He's yeah. not getting bothered by anything I'm saying. That was a that was a fun season. You had. Uh, I, I think it's also cool to talk about since it's like the new Ultimate Fighters going on right now. But you, yeah. you guys had uh, it was all heavyweights. You guys had Kimbo was yeah. like the big reveal. Yep. Um, you had the, Is that the country was Nelson. Bi- the winner big was country. Uh, Roy Big Country Nelson. Yeah, there you Legend. go, buddy. Yeah. Legend. Yeah. No, he's great. Yeah, he was awesome. Uh, I'm trying to remember some of the other names, but even the guys who like didn't we really. We had uh, Brendan Schaub. Um, we had uh, Justin Wren. Yes. Um, was, I, I love the stuff he's been doing. Wasn't yeah. there the guy that was the football player, ended up having a good career in Bellator? Who was that? Was Mitrione? Was it Mitrione? Matt Mitrione. Mitrione. Yeah, Mitrione, Mitrione was on, on it. Yeah. was on there. We had a lot of good guys on there, man. Um, you had titties. 
Yeah, I remember, saying, yeah. <laughs> I remember that shit. I remember yeah. that shit. There's a bunch of guys. You had a bunch of ex like football players too. Yeah, we had. You a know, lot it was, of it was, yeah, it was, it was it was a great season. That's one. If if you guys are you know fight fans checking out like the new Ultimate Fighter, go check that one out. That's a great one. That was yeah. that was a really cool, really cool season. I grew up like you know watching the Ultimate Fighters and shit like that. And uh, that that was that was a really cool one for me. Yeah, one of my favorites. Everybody says it's one of the favorites, man. And I'm just like, man, I, you know what? I, my only thing is, I wish that me and Rampage would have got a fight again for a second time. What? But, I don't know. It was a fun fight. It was one of those fun fights. Like the build up for it was fun. Uh, you know, it, it was just it was like one of those bigger than tv moments you mm. know what i'm saying like everybody was talking about the fights and we did a whole like prime time show and it was like such a big build-up because what happened was we did the the reality show and then we we're supposed to fight at the end of the season but then he was doing his his uh a-team thing mm -hmm. so that fight ended up getting pushed back and i had to fight tiago silva in, in in the interim and then i fought tiago silva and then finally we got a chance for to fight rampage and it was such a build-up because it almost didn't happen. So when it did happen, everybody was still hyped up about and it. And if I remember correctly, his team tried blaming the loss on his filming schedule that he didn't have a proper training schedule and he didn't have yeah yeah he didn't he didn't have a proper camp and that you know let's run it back again. That was like their whole excuse was like you know he wasn't able to he wasn't, dedicate. I mean, hey. He had a date just like I did, but it was funny because when I finally got a chance to really sit with him when we did the movie together, um, it's funny what people remember out of the fight. You know, when, when I was, when I had him against the cage, I was just blasting his thigh, just hitting his thigh, right? And just, and it's a very unorthodox technique. People don't really punch the thigh. They don't really do it. You've never had an older brother then. <laughs> right. I, I Charlie the, Horses. I beat the hell out of my sister's thighs. The, the thighs are where to go, right? The thighs are where to go. So, um, I had him against Cage, not much action was saying, and, and uh, Herb Dean was like, all right, let me see something, let me see something. So I just start just hammering his thighs. And I noticed that he was like really reacting, so I just kept doing it. So I, I talked to him and I'm just like, he said, hey Rashad, man, tell, 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 tell me the truth, man. You know, I know I know you you, you had, I had a mole in my camp, and they told you that I had something wrong with my thigh, and that's why you kept on hitting me in the thigh, man. And I'm just like, stop. No. <laughs> I'm like, no, I just. Yeah. Yeah, I it was, it was Herb reacting. Dean. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, I, uh, I met Rampage uh, a couple of times. Really cool guy. Really oh, nice he's cool guy, too. Shit, man. So he's I'm happy cool you guys. Shit. Yeah, there's, it's nice knowing, especially after watching that season as like a fan. Like, yeah, there's Ram no beef there, and you guys are. Then the thing about it is the fact that Rampage was my favorite fighter for the longest time yeah. like when he lost to vanderlee silva mm. i damn near cried man it was he would but he was one of the guys in pride who, right in pride yeah. yeah he's one of the guys who really like i wanted to be like rampage and then when i finally got a chance to meet him the first chance i got a chance to meet rampage he was cornering against me he was cornering against me when i fought uh this guy named sick dog ramirez and that was uh, his boy, and he cornered against me. I'm like, damn, my legend. Sick is dog Ramirez. Sick dog. Sounds like Ramirez. a fighter from the movie Warrior. <laughs> Sick dog. <laughs> Badass name. Yeah. I, 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 I was saying before I was gonna name my son Bone Tomahawk. My Sick name dog. is Sick dog. Sick dog. Actually, Sick dog Mickey has cool. a very similar story with uh, George Sullivan. You talked about you had been watching you had been watching him growing up as a Jersey fighter, and then you actually got a chance to end up fighting he, him, right? Yeah, yeah. I remember. So I I came up at a AMA Fight Club in Jersey. And uh, I remember he he was like the the CFFC champ, like he was kind of like the baddest dude in Jersey at the time. Yeah. Uh, when I was like ju like just kind of getting into it, he'd beat guys from my camp, 
And uh, then I ended up fighting him in the UFC. So it was like, cool. It's cool yeah. when like that idols become rivals oh, type man, thing. You know so what I mean? Cool. Like, yeah. So, so where did you train at in Jersey? Uh, so I, my home gym is Gracie, New Jersey. I've okay. been there since I was 16. And, uh, that was like, that's like my spot. And then I started, so that's like more of like a jujitsu gym. Now it's like an MMA gym as well. Mm -hmm. Um, but then I would go to AMA fight club, which had like Jim Miller, Dan Miller, Charlie Brenneman, you know, a bunch of tough local, you know, local Jersey guys, studs yeah. there. And they, they'd bring in that guys like Khabib came through there, uh, when he first came to new, like America, New Jersey, he yeah. was up at K dojo. We had, uh, uh, Jamie Varner used to be over there. Mm -hmm. um, we, used to, you remember Adlan Amagov? Yeah, he used to come over there and spar and be throwing spinning back kicks like constantly at people. He was like, he was a liability to spar. Did like, you ever make your way over to uh, to Brick or, uh, or Tom's River? The Catones yeah. place? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been down there. there. You know, the yeah. You know, yeah, that's where I would train for the longest time, and I love that gym over there. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, yeah it was a great spot. I, yeah. I love Frankie. Frankie just did our live show. Yeah, too. Frankie. Frankie's the, the best man. Frankie's the best man. Yeah, yeah. He's he's yeah. He's an, another one. He's a you know a, a legit Jersey legend. One of the you know one of the a goats. legend for real. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but he beat PJ Penn three times. Yeah, like yeah. nuts. I mean, when it comes to uh, another guy that was size, probably undersized for yeah, his, yeah. like he yeah, we he, he really wrote that. the book of just being, you know, being small and being dynamic. I remember the first time, you know, uh, one of my favorite quote, quotes is from one of my favorite fighters, and a fighter ended up fighting uh, Dan Henderson. And Dan Henderson, when he first came to the UFC, I'm like still in a big fan mode, and I'm and I see Dan Henderson, I'm like, wait a minute. This dude is so fucking small. Really? Yeah, and I'm like, Dan, like, you're so small. Like, how you just be whooping people's ass like that? And he says, you know what? I'm really big in here. You know, I'm really big in here, and it's just something that just kind of stuck with me because I'm just like, shit, yeah, me too. I'm I'm, I'm big in there too wow. because I mean, I'll never be bigger physically than anybody else. But my dog was bigger than a lot of these guys' dogs because sure. I was willing to go to the, to the end. I was willing to go there. You know. I just met Mike Tyson for the first time, and like it's the baddest man on the planet. And you're walking around like, man, that's Mike Tyson. And you're also like, that was Mike Tyson. Yeah, yeah. But I then, think that's what you said about being willing, like, to go to the end is important. Yeah. Like, I think like if you have that mind, we talked about it like with on the Christos episode. We we were talking kind of about Christos Yagos fights yeah. the UFC. We we're talking about uh, kind of like that mindset you want to have before the fight. And I always say, I think it's you want to be ready to like to kill and die. Yeah. And like when you're when you're like at that point kind of makes everything you're so present it kind of makes everything like like simple yeah you know what i mean really, it's just like it's you're you're living on the edge it's 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 such a great feeling it it's, is it, you know? it really is because it brings you present and it just uh it it's a very freeing thing like it, it's one of the things that i like most about fighting what i love most about fighting is the fact that like all the the norms and the rules that we have in society are just suspended and i can just mm. do what i want to do pure, like i can just get free yeah, yeah I, very I get to just really just punch the shit out of this dude and just be a total animal mm. you know and having the permission to be an animal for 15 minutes for 25 minutes it's the most liberating feeling in the world Free, free is the word. Free yeah, is the free. perfect word. Just and it's, be free. Yeah, it's we get to tap into that warrior DNA that's inside yeah. us. That a lot of most men, it just has to lie dormant. Become yeah. you know ungovernable. I mean? It just has to lie dormant. They can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you should, yeah, train at least. Hell yeah. Go get a little taste. I love of it. it. It's fun. Yeah. Become ungovernable. You get to do that. You sign a even if you just go to a gym. You I sign a permission it. slip. 
Yeah, and I mean? this you should learn for a while first. Learn how to spar right. And but do there's all that there's shit, such but. a purity to it in a world that's becoming more and more convoluted. Yeah, this yeah. person is this. Uh, I, I I I'm assigned this. I'm fluid. That you're a winner or you're a loser. Right. You know, it's very simple. You're in there, and it's you, and it's another person, however they may identify. But only one of you is going to win. You can't identify as a winner at the end of the fight. That You know, it's just, this is it. It's me, it's you, it's, it's pure, and it's the truth. Yeah, the truth. And, and the best thing about it is the fact that once you really reach that stage of competing where you realize that it's not even about this other guy. You know, this other guy who's out there that I'm fighting against, he's just... A set of equations that I gotta solve but really it's all about how I'm going to bring what I'm going to bring to the table and and I feel like a lot of times in the fight game as athletes we we kind of forget that we kind of forget that the battle is won here first and when you win the battle here and when you're able to defeat yourself your your opponent is is going to be you know is going to be a lot easier to be can you, I, uh, can you uh, expand on that what, when you say uh, like like did you say like to defeat this opponent first like yourself Defeat yourself yeah in what, in what way what do you mean make friends with the worst outcome you know be be okay with with whatever happens in the fight and a lot of times we're in that space where we're so afraid of what's going to happen that we stop ourselves from doing what we can do reaching your potential and reaching in our there. potential and it's the fear of just not being able to you know have our hand raised at the end of it but the truth of the matter is you got to be willing to not have your hand raised if you really want to win because winning otherwise and you'll, losing, you'll be too timid you won't be, you won't go all in or yeah you won't be able to go all in because in order to have that that win you have to be able to take chances and when you the more mm. chances you take the more of your probability is going to be to win the fight you know you take more chances you go out there and you take more risk you may get hit fortune, for that risk. Fortune but favors the bold. Fortune favors the bold, 100%, especially yeah. in the fight game, because it's a game of me imposing my will. And I can't impose my will unless I'm out there taking chances to impose my will. Mm. Mm. I love that. So I like that. What, what was your process about becoming friends with the, with, you know, the uh, worst outcome? Because you hear so many other people talk about manifest greatness only think about the positive you know don't don't let the negative thoughts slip into your mind you hear that on one side yeah and on the other side you're saying as a champion who's lived it you know think about the worst case scenario and be okay with it yeah you you got you got to look into that fear and see what it is behind that fear that's really holding you back because what happens is you're afraid of losing but why are you afraid of losing well i'm not gonna be able to make the same amount of money okay then you deal with that well, why is that so important to make that kind of money? You know, and then, then you start realizing the fact that it doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? Because if you're believing yourself, you know, the money's going to be there. The money's going to come. If you believe in yourself, you're going to get the money that is owed to you. You're going to get the money that you deserve. And once you start breaking down these, these narratives that fear, fear brings, because fear has a thing of just making a whole lot of things that may never come to fruition, but it brings them up as if they're going to happen for sure. So what I would do is I would just sit in front of a mirror and I would just look at myself and I would just be honest and just address it as it came out. And if I, you know, if when it comes out, I'm like, nah, fuck that. Nope. Nope. And I would just, and I would shout it out. No, I, I mean, I would, I would shout it out and I would just, and I'll work myself up and I'll really get myself believing and not just saying it, but truly believing 
that no, I'm not going out. And and my thing was this: you would I don't say, know if you I'm say gonna, no to the thought, to no like to the miss, thought, no. to like to not not just to like cancel it out, but to like almost like to shut it down. Like cause I've I've heard. Actually, I, me and Matt Brown are very close. Yeah, and that's something when that he would say. Literally, he would say no. Like he, when it, a bad a bad thought would enter his brain, he'd be like no. Like to sh- kind of, to shut that shit down. And yeah. everyone has you know those moments of doubt, and you you picture something bad. You picture yourself getting dropped, or you know you could pick like it's a fucking fight. Anything could happen. Yeah. But 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 you would kind of what you welcome the the thought, kind of examine it, and then you'd shut it down. Yeah, and I, and I'll say like I don't give a fuck. And that's yeah. how I just say that over and again. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. And they'll come on my mind like, I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. And, I, and yeah. I'll say that over and over again until like I just I just didn't care. Yeah. I just didn't care. Like I was a man going into the cage without anything to lose. There's like, a lot of, I don't care. There's a lot of really great crossover outside of the fight game in either the business world or in relationships. Or I mean, it could be a guy who's afraid to talk to a hot girl. Like, all right, what's the worst that can happen? What's the she worst, says, man? no, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. It's not that it can't happen. You're acknowledging the, the probability this could happen. But what does it really mean to me? And that's exactly it. What do I actually lose compared to look at what I have to gain? Right. And that's a very, very powerful mentality. I could see that mentality. You should write that book. Well, you know, I, I got it from Randy Couture. Randy Couture talked to me, and I told this story all the time about uh, I was getting ready to fight Chuck Liddell, and it's the day before the fight. And, you know, at, at the weigh-ins is when it gets real because you're like, okay, next time yeah. I see this dude, this dude is going to try to fucking separate me from consciousness. So it's a different kind of energy. You've seen him all week, but when you see him for the last time, yeah, yeah. oh, it's different. And you go to your room and you think about what tomorrow's going to be like after you got done from hanging out with your family, eating some food, and now you got some time to yourself. And now you got the next 12 or 15 hours to sit there and just think about the fight. And sometimes you can ride that emotional roller coaster without any problems. But sometimes that motherfucking roller coaster is like, it's hard to ride, you know? So I was in there with uh, Atlanta and I'm sitting there and I'm like, I couldn't shake these thoughts. I couldn't shake the fear. I couldn't shake it. And I'm just like, dude, what's happening to me? Because I was normally cool, calm, collected, but I I wasn't cool, calm, collected, and I couldn't get it under control. So I hit up Randy Couture, and Randy was like, yeah, I happen to be downstairs. And I go to his room, and I knock on the door, and I'm like, Randy, man, you know, he said, what's going on? I'm like, oh, man, Randy, I'm scared, man. I'm scared. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm rolling around on Randy's bed and shit. And Randy's looking at me like kind of like smirking and laughing. And he's like, all right. You know, Randy's like really stoic and just like like give you sage advice. And he's like, you know, I know what the problem is. The problem is you haven't made friends with the worst outcome. Understand this. No matter what happens tomorrow. The sun is still going to rise. Your family's going to still love you. And you're going to have another chance to do this. Understand it. Bad things happen. And that's okay. But you're going to be all right. Make friends with the worst outcome. And I was like, shit. I started to feel better off you saying it. But then I went into my room. And then I started doing the work. I started doing the work. I started really getting to believe it. And I had to shout out those feelings. I had to shout them out and just say, I don't give a fuck. And then the next day I woke up and I was I was ready to go. I was ready to go so much in fact that I got to the arena and I forgot my fucking cup. Oh. <laughs> all you shot all you need is a cup and the mouthpiece. That's all you got to worry about. I know I forgot my cup. I forgot my cup so uh, that just stressed me out just dude, thinking about that. Like and the, and the worst 10 part times of, everyone's like got your cup and mouthpiece, got your cup and mouthpiece. Everyone's like asking you, you know. 
And the worst part about it was I'm getting ready to walk. And, you know, uh, Bert Watson came and said, all right, baby, you on the line. Time to roll. And they're like, all right, you got everything out of everything? I'm like, yeah. But I was like, oh, shit, I got to put my cup on. So I went and checked my bag to get my cup, and I had no cup. And they're like, dude, what are we going to do? We don't got a cup. So then they told the UFC, like, yo, he, he's got a, he don't got a cup. And they're like, okay, hold on. We got to figure something out. So they paused it for a little bit. And then luckily for me, Nate Marcourt, my teammate, just fought a couple fights before so I threw on his wet, dirty, <laughs> never been washed jock strap, and I put that bitch on like it was mine. And I walked and the did jock the fight. Knocked, knocked out the that ice man in, uh, that, in, uh, Nate's, in Nate's cup. In Nate's cup, yeah. yeah I mean, I, I wanted to keep it after that, but he was like, nah, I need my cup back. <laughs> <laughs> the holy grail That's right hilarious. there. The, cup, the holy grail. That's hilarious. I, I actually, uh, one of the things you were saying before, you were talking about like the fear. Yeah, and I, I just recently heard something really good uh, about that. There's this guy talking to uh, his son. He's like, "Son, every crisis I ever had in my life ended up not really happening. Nothing happened. Every it, it's all in your mind. Yeah, anything like a lot of stuff like we worry about. Yeah, you're worrying about like your your money or relationships or things, and a lot of times it ends up just being a whole big nothing." Yeah, you know, and you just end up. Isn't there? Isn't there a saying with like fear, where they're like something like imaginary? Like, you know that that uh, that saying, G. I I don't know which one you're talking about, but I have heard that. Um, you know, everything you fear is just a problem you haven't solved yet. You know, it's it's right. it's an opportunity for a solution. You know, there's there's no use in worrying. Wor worrying is is the most useless emotion. I feel like we it have. was like an acronym of the F E A R. Like there was like f like false yeah, things. false evidence appearing real. Yeah, false yeah. evidence appearing real. I've never heard that one. Interesting. Yeah, but it's it's it. You know, a lot of time it's like like the crises, the things we're we're worrying about and, and stuff. Ends up turn out to be nothing. Yeah, I have seen the flow chart though, that anxiety flow chart, right? Like, so depression is worrying about things in the past, and anxiety is worrying about things in the future, right? Like, to oversimplify it. Yeah. And then there's that flow chart where it's like, okay, can I solve this? No, then don't worry about it. Yes, okay, then don't worry about it. Like, that's that's yeah. the flow chart. Can I solve it? No, all right, then don't worry about it. Can you solve this? Yes, all right, then don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. like that's, 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 way, that's it. That's either your process. Way, don't worry. Don't yeah, worry it's about your it. process. Just, yeah, just alleviate that. You know, I, yeah, I hope that I know when I heard that thing, it like alleviated, like, kind of just like, ah, it's like, it's, but it's, yeah, it's, it's one true. thing to know this stuff, it's one thing to under, and it's another thing, like you said before, to do the work and Put actually in get yourself yeah. in the right headspace to be able. And uh, you know, um, we're uh, you know, we talked about this a couple episodes ago. I'm always fascinated in guys that were able to kind of overcome that that hump, right? You look yeah. with Charles Oliveira, we just talked about win one, lose one, win one, lose one, wins 12 in a row, becomes a new fighter. You know, Masvidal's losing, 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 has two huge years, changes his life. Poirier, Dustin Holloway. Poirier, Holloway. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, what you've been around it as a fighter, as a coach, as a commentator, you've seen it from all different angles now. What do you see about the guys that are able to kind of, I don't know, if, is figuring it out the right term? Is it overcoming? Like, what happens to these guys that go on these runs? Well, what, what I see is that a lot of times, you know, what happens is when you lose, it's one of the most uncomfortable things to take a look at. And but there's always something in that loss for you. And even in your wins, because a lot of times when you win, 
your mistakes get overshadowed by the fact that you had good results. So sometimes when you're winning, you're really working on a loss. You're really building up to a loss that you're eventually going to have because the mistakes are not being corrected. Interesting. So when you lose, it's an opportunity to correct those mistakes. And you have to be able to sit with that pain, sit with that uncomfortable feeling. And what I've seen that guys like Charles Oliveira, like uh, Dustin Poirier, like these guys, they're very good sportsmen after they lose. They go in there, they congratulate, they say, hey, you know, you got me, you're the better man at night. And there's a correlation to be, they own it. And once you own it, it loses its power. And then it becomes a lesson for you to use. And depending on how much you're able to pull out of your ego is going to depend on how much you can grow from the experience. But a lot of times with the fight game in general or with anything like, you know, where you're you're in a competition like this, you know, the ego's high. The ego's high and, and sometimes admitting that you just got your ass whooped is something hard for the ego to admit. Sure, but especially with the most alpha man on the planet. Exactly, because the, the thing that I always hated about losing is the fact that if the referee wasn't there, that man could have killed me. Mm. He could have taken my life. And I just felt violated. You know, that's a violation that just kind of, it sits with me, you know? And for me, that that that's something that would wake me up in the middle of the night and be like, yo, you know what? It's 4.30, but I'm gonna get this running even though I told myself I was gonna wake up at six and do it because I need, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling it right now. That's an incredible perspective. I've never heard that before. That's, but it's so true. Yeah. If that referee didn't pull that man off you, that would have been it. Man. That would have been it. He would have killed me. I mean, luckily for you, it didn't happen very often. Yeah. <laughs> but, but still, but it, 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 when it happened, I was like, dude, I, I just felt it's just a shame. Like I just felt like, uh, you know, uh, like, like I just been violated and I couldn't wash that feeling off me. Wow. That's an internal drive right there. Yeah. I was, I would say if, uh, if, if, if it was fights to the death that I'd be undefeated, but I would have lost one. One time I would have got killed. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I always say if there was, you know, unlimited strikes, I would have never struck out. So, you know, that's, I, I couldn't agree with you more. The, uh, you know, but that, I know that feeling you're you're talking about, and yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a motivator. Yeah, it it's, is. It's definitely a a motivating feeling. Yeah. Now, what what is it about a John Jones that separates him from everybody else? I mean, you fought some of the baddest men on the planet, Chuck Liddell. We talked about, you know, Rampage. I mean, you you know, you name him, you fought him, and then there's John Jones, who it it just seems like he's been performing on a different level than everybody else. John has a belief in himself that has never been never been shaken, and and the belief that he has is is uh it's crazy well he had you know? to defend himself from two nfl caliber brothers his right whole life. but i mean <laughs> so. it's 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 something to really be uh to really be examined because like it's the same things that make you great will not make you great in so many areas because he has his big ego sometimes he gets yeah. himself in the trouble that he gets into outside the only person that's ever been able to beat john jones is john jones, is john jones. so when he applies it to sport it's fantastic because of the fact that he's got such a sensational belief in himself that, you know, even no matter what, he's like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And he truly believes it. And and he does it because of that. But it doesn't hurt being 6'5 with 78-inch yeah, reach. And, listen, no no doubt about it. No yeah. doubt about it. His, his physical attributes physical attributes stand on, on its own as being a huge advantage. But... Outside of that, I know what it's like to have to 
mentally bring yourself to a fight. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't imagine bringing myself to a fight on the heels of some of the things that he had to bring himself to a fight. You know, a lot of times when he was getting to the cage, he was coming from a very uncomfortable situation where he's got in trouble for something and he had that in the background and you know mm -hmm. sometimes when you get so many detours outside the cage your life outside the cage gets bigger than your life inside the cage and it starts to overshadow you, the work that you do inside the cage. He was even able to turn that into a win when he had one of the greatest trash talking moments of all time where DC was getting after him. He's like, I beat you after a night of cocaine and hookers. Mm -hmm. like, knock it off. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, you're I mean, sitting there like DC, you're like, he did though. Damn. I, yeah. John Jones is, John Jones is, is, is a, is a is a special, special individual when it comes to competing. What was your plan against him? What when going into and the you fight? Were like, do you, remember? you were like a big brother to him, right? You guys yeah. uh I remember in the in the lead up to the fight, them talking about the relationship that you guys had were uh at Jackson Wink. Yeah, yeah. John John was a, a really good training partner. I enjoyed working with him. Um I, I didn't I didn't believe that he would, you know, not try to, you know, not try to be the dominant one and try to fight. Because we had a situation where we had myself, uh, Keith Jardine, we had Brian Stan in the 205 weight class as well, and we all avoided each other just fine without even entertaining too much topics about fighting each other. It's just something that we didn't talk about. We just didn't agree that we weren't going to do that. And that's how we were able to train and give each other our all in training practice because we were doing it in good faith that we weren't going to fight each other. But then things things got different when John, you know, John's a young man, started feeling his O's and really started to accomplish some things. And, you know, he started, you know, saying that he would fight me and things. And I'm just like, at the time, my ego got the better of me. And I'm just like, all right, bitch, let's do it. You know, and, uh, you know, it, it, it was tough because I felt as if, you know, they chose him over me. And I was like, I can't. Yeah, I'm like, you rat bastards, you motherfuckers, you know, because at the end of the day, I helped put them on. For sure. But I can't get mad at them for them wanting to have dreams and aspirations as coaches too. You know what I'm saying? And maybe they didn't see it in me that I could get them to where they wanted to be. And they just, it was about talent. And I was like, not about Damn. Not about loyalty is how you were feeling though. No, it, you've it, been there, it, you it were 100% was not about loyalty. Yeah. No, no, no. But it just wasn't a move. That's, that's just stings though. It's, well, it, people, bro, it killed you know, I me. Speak for us too. You know, loyalty is a big thing. You know what I yeah. mean? For And for most people that that is. Yeah. So that, yeah, that, that would burn you up. But your team's kind of turning your back on you. Yeah, it, it killed me for the longest time, man. Like I just, I couldn't even, like I had friends in Albuquerque. I had a whole life in Albuquerque that I would, you know, that I would go and spend so much time, at least nine months out of the year in Albuquerque, just training and on and off but when that whole the whole thing happened i just couldn't go back because i'm just like Ask. you know i felt like everybody was fake if 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 greg and, and and wink was like that i'm like damn and these were the guys who uh you know i was pretty close with but you know time heals everything and sure. and, and perspective and taking your ego out of it also uh, it does as well too and when, when i realize and, and look back on some things i realize that it wasn't so personal, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't a personal. They're doing what was the best for them, and they made a good decision in how'd a that, sense because that I mean, John Jones go? with with myself or just with with uh, with, uh, with them. Like how did how did they break the news to you that you know you've been riding in and rocking with them forever? And now I'm gonna go with this this new newer younger guy. Um, I told them I told them that uh, I would fight John. and that's what he's been asked for. And they were like, all right, they were gonna corner John, and I was like. All right, I guess 
you know <laughs> that's a fucking kick in the nuts i was bro. like damn i mean you know it Fuck. and i just and i just started to i moved here at the time and it uh, kind of dovetailed to when i was going through some uh, marital problems as well with my uh, my my wife at the time and i ended up coming out here and i had like a knee injury so I just formed camp out here. End up spearheading the Black Zillions. Yeah. Which and I'm now training at uh, an evolution of. Absolutely. I came down uh, about a year ago just to like, like Henry had invited me down, the great Henry Hooft. Yeah. Um, and I was like, ah, yeah, I'll come down maybe like do like a week or two. And after like two days of training, I was like, I'm moving here. I'm moving it, here. It's, it's, it's a good vibe, man. It's a good vibe. But I mean, everybody on that early team, you know, uh, Henry, Tyrone, uh, Vitor Bell for all these guys they all came in Anthony Johnson Michael Johnson all these guys came in and they came in to just you know uh, the train at first I, I just wanted to camp around me I was like I'm done with this super camp shit I just want to form a camp around me and just have guys that I want to train with just come in and pay them for the time and have them leave but then everybody would come and they would stay and then pretty soon that we South just Florida's had, pretty dope. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, Albuquerque's okay, I guess. But. <laughs> I mean, but at the time, it was like a movie because, like, Glenn, Glenn Robinson, our old manager, was like, you know, he 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 spared no Not expense. the crime dog. No, no, no. Glenn, Glenn passed away. Glenn passed away, but he had this tool company called Ironbridge Tools, and they, uh, you know, they made tools for... Um, for a Home Depot, this Husky brand tools, they offload oh, yeah, these tools, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they made all these tools, and they made he had good money, and you know he spared no expenses expenses when it came to just like building his team and just like making us a force. And people kept coming, and we just kept growing. Well, I guess that's that's the evolution of the sport, really, because I do remember back in the day hearing like Machado would never fight Silva, best friends, and this and that. But as the sport consolidated, who? Wasn't it Machado and Silva? Was that, that who wouldn't fight each other? Machado. Am I saying that wrong? Machida? Machida. Not Machado. Machida. Yeah, Machida. sorry. So, um, but as the sport consolidated and you have like four or five camps that are really running all this, like yeah. you, you kind of have to fight your own guys if you're going to yeah. go anywhere. I mean, the Kill Cliff guys fight each other all the time, right? I mean, not all the time, but it, it, it happened, I think, most recently with, uh, with uh, Usman and Burns. Right, that's yeah. the nearest example I could think of. And there, and then, there was recently. Uh, Derek Brunson was supposed to fight Drykus De Plusis. The Plessis. The Plessis. Yeah. There's the analyst, and you know how to say. <laughs> he was. I just call him Drykus. But yeah, yeah, he. They were supposed to fight, but it. it, it uh, that ended up going. It ended up going away. But Drykus used to just come down here and train. But yeah, if we have a lot of people visit, so that's very possible too. Like you, you visit, you train with a guy, and then you end up seeing them. Is that a difficult thing when you're training, when you're training with a partner and you're sparring? And I, in the back I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to fight any teammate or any friend, really, because like we talked about, I'm sign. You, I'm signing that name. I'm going to try and kill you. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't want to take money off, out of your pocket, off your kid's uh, plate. You know, food off your kid's plate. I don't. I don't. I don't want that. I don't, but you know, if you know, if there's cert, a certain. If you're like fighting for the belt and stuff, hopefully you can make a gentleman's kind of agreement. And be like, hey, let's let's go get it, yeah. something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I never like fighting a teammate, but I mean sometimes you had to, and I fought teammates a couple times. But you know, uh, GSP, I always used to be like, you know, my friend, I uh, I never like to fight my teammate just because uh, <laughs> when it fight. comes down to the fight and I have to make a scar on the head to to finish the fight. 
I don't know if I'll be able to do it because I don't want to have to look at my friend and see the cut that I did. Shit. That was really good, bro. That was really good. Yeah, That was fantastic. That was Jason Scoop level good right there, dude. Yeah, GSP. What do you you think? I got a little GSP. I got a little one. I was trained up at TriStar for a while, and he took me aside one day. He's like, hey, I make my career off of this move. <laughs> he like, took like 20 minutes and he like showed me this showed me his uh his little takedown he that does. sounds exactly like him too uh, i think yours is better that was crazy that was crazy well how do you think gsp would have fared against khabib i think he would have did really well against him and i and i say that because you know his grappling was out of control but he was so comfortable with the strike and his creative his creativity with the striking too and not not the gsp that ended his career but I would say the one right after he fought Matt Hughes where he was working with Phil Nurse and he was being real creative with his stand up and striking and he was doing a Superman punch and all kinds of you know things like that that GSP was like one of the best fighters I've ever seen mm. you have a favorite fight of your career a favorite fighter favorite fight of oh, your favorite career fight? oh yeah. man um no, I have a couple of them, to be honest, man. I have a couple of them. But, uh, you know, Chuck Liddell is one of them. Uh, when I won the belt is another one. Um, I, I just remember having these moments in the fight where, you know, it was like I was I was surprising myself. And, and those were the times that I, I truly enjoyed fighting because it's always good to go out there and you have this belief in yourself. But when you go out there and you start to – surprise yourself on something that you didn't expect that you could do and you're doing it in a fight and it's like oh my god i'm so much better than i thought you know that was always a fun experience for me yeah i remember one another one of your fights that stands out was that sean salmon head kick oh did you yeah. hurt your leg from kicking that dude in the head so fucking oh hard? my gosh it was it was sore it was sore but i mean it was it was that bad. That shit must have felt good, huh? It, 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 it did felt good because that was like Let's pull really, that up, Christian. That was like really one of the only times like I've been in a lot of fights, but that was like one of the only times I actually been mad when I was fighting. Like I got really mad. I went out there to try to make a point. He was coming in as a late replacement. Nobody knew who he was. And I remember talking to my mom before the fight and then she was like, now my mom before I got into fighting, she was like, "Not, not shot. Your ass gonna end up in jail with all this fighting." And I'm like, "Ma, it's not, it's not, it's not like that." We're, we're shot shit still, you know what I'm saying? That's how she would be. And uh, when, but as I got into my career, she really got into fighting. And uh, she would call me and give me a pep talk before the fight. And she said, okay, Rashad, listen, you got to fight Sean Salmon. Sean Salmon, he's a good wrestler, Rashad. He went to Ohio State. And Rashad, he said he going he gonna to get you. He going to get your fans. So, Rashad, I'm saying this to say mm. this. When you hit him, keep him hit, Rashad. Finish him, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and I'm like, all right, Ma. So... Here we go. I'm out there uh, and I'm huh? moving. I'm grooving, right? Yeah. I'm moving and I'm grooving. I see the open. You can't lose to a dude with a name of a fish. That's Come what on, I'm that's saying. sushi, bro. I can't bro. do it. That's so I hit Oy. him. I hit him and then I then I hit him two more times, right? And that two more times, I called my mom to the fight, and I was like expecting my mom to be like, yeah. You kept so I, hitting him. So I, I got I got on the phone with mom. She said, Rashad, good good job, but you know I'm, I'm gonna be honest, Rashad. I'm not a fan of that dirty shit. And I'm like, 
Oh, I love your mom. That's hilarious. That's it. Like, we need to get like, Rashad's mom on the pod, She said, keep man. hitting him. And then when you kept hitting him, I was like, Ma, what you mean? Rashad, you knew he was knocked out. And I was like, Ma, I didn't know. I thought he might wake up when he hit the ground. So I just had to like hit him. That's the referee's fault. But Rashad Steele, you got to be careful out there. Come on now. <laughs> be careful for him. What, yeah. what was it like growing up with a mother who's Mike Tyson? Is that, that interesting? Yeah, I mean, she, she got it. Rashad, Look. <laughs> That's phenomenal, man. Now she's probably getting after you about the mushrooms. She's like, don't mess with those mushrooms, Rashad. Oh, my Rashad. God. You're Rashad, avoiding you jail lo- for this Rashad, long. you're going to lose your mind. Okay, shit. You better get Christ in your life. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, fun- you're, a big, you're, uh, you're a big fan of the boomers, huh? Yeah, the, the mushrooms. mushrooms? Yeah. Uh, listen, the mushrooms have brought me out of uh, so much darkness, man. Like, when I was in this transition from retiring and on to the next phase of my life, I just didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know what this whole experience was about being a fighter. And then now in the second half of my life, I didn't know, like, I just didn't know. And the transition was so difficult and it was so hard that um, I just, I, I had to go inside. I had to go inside. And when I went inside, man, it was just, it was amazing. The world that I found inside, you know, it was amazing because so much of, my life, I thought it was one way, but after having my experiences with with psychedelics, and it, it really re, 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 like completely rearranged my whole thought process on my existence in general. I'd love you know? to hear more about that. Well, I I, I know personally, I yeah, um, taking them, I like, I w- I would just say I evolved yeah. through them. Like it made me understand the world better. Uh, understand myself better. I, there's been times where I've never been happier. Yeah. I think than I was on like a, on a little boomer trip. Yeah. Uh, it's it's really something amazing. Like it has like a, that like you know like that little hippie ish like vibe to it. Like where it's like you know like you know like it has like a kind of, still kind of has like a, a negative like the way they do with all drugs. You know. What right. I mean? Yeah. Listen that, here, that kids. one's like a that listen one, here, that's like kids. a that's a that's like a mind enhancer. Good clean yeah. living like it, and sparkling water is how you look like me. If you don't want to look <laughs> like them, you stay away from the drugs. Okay. This is. Yeah, but I, I think yeah. If you're if you if you're if you're in a you know you're an adult and you're and you you know you're around good people, go out in nature or something, try something. You you're gonna have a positive life changing experience. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like you know, with the mushrooms, it just kind of helped me to see like. You know, so much in life, we try to f- solve what's really going on because with with thinking of things in the physical sense as if like I can physically, you know, everything is physical. We live in such a material world that everything always, you know, translates to figuring it out, you know, on a physical level. But the truth of the matter is that I, th- I feel like it's all about the consciousness, it's all about consciousness. What we experience more than anything is 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 purely consciousness. And when you start to really explore your consciousness and you really start to dig deep and not be afraid of, you know, what's in there, you know, when you're not afraid to go deep and explore what your consciousness can be and, and how vast and how how amazing it is. Once you're not afraid to do that, you really start to. Um, unshackle yourselves from the physical barriers that kind of keep you trapped in fear, you know, because the truth of the matter is the fact that it all comes down to this fear of, of 
perishing, not being able to live, dying and, and running and out of time, running out of time. But then when you realize that time is just the biggest illusion and what you are is so beyond it and something mm -hmm. outside of time that you just realize that you really can't fail and you really can't do anything that's going to destroy you for what you really are because in a sense you were never really even born it's a difficult realization because like i don't i don't fear dying at all but i yeah. do fear not accomplishing what i want to accomplish before i die does that make sense like yeah like it wouldn't be like oh you like it's not like i'm afraid of death but i am very much afraid of failure in some regards i don't know if that makes sense what i'm saying yeah and, it and, makes uh, sense it makes sense you know having on a much smaller level, having gone through uh, playing minor league ball, having my dream, you know, disappear and then going through a very dark, deep depression as well. You know, I, I wonder, going back to what you said earlier, the process of you, uh, when did you know it was over? How did you, how, how did you handle it being over? Yeah. And then, you know, how were you able to kind of reinvent yourself? So I lost five fights in a row. And... I didn't lose many fights, but I lost them all at the end of my career. And it was like, you know, it, it was kind of hard for me to to really bounce back from because I didn't have the experience early out and really how to bounce back from that kind of loss. And when I started losing, I just didn't know how to rewrite that ship. And then it got to the point where I'm like, wait, I don't even know if I want to even do this anymore. And then it got to the point where I'm like, I'm just doing this more or less because I'm afraid to really see what else that I can do. You know, I've been doing it for so long, I just become so mechanical about it that I, just, I lost a, a big feeling for it, you know? And uh, I really had to do some soul searching. So um, I didn't know how to gain the perspective that I needed to, but my friend introduced me to a modality called 5-MeO-DMT. And it is a, um, it's a medicine from the, the back of a Sonoran desert toad. If your friend is Joe Rogan, you can just say his name. <laughs> like, it's fine. Like, we, if you're going, you're like, so I have this bald friend. And he's like, hey, have you tried DMT, bud? Yeah, so I mean, yeah, so it, it was 5-MeO. It was uh, that Dimethyltryptamine, huh? It was that friend? No, it wasn't uh, that friend. It wasn't that friend. It wasn't that friend. So he introduced a lot of people to that. Yeah, I mean, I I've, 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 I did some research and I've heard about it on the show before I did it. Uh, and when I did it, the experience, it was just like, um, it was like waking up in the middle of my life. Like, huh. it was like realizing the difference between reality and the dream. And this is the dream. This is the dream. This is the dream. Now you've you've done DMT, correct? Yeah. Did you, did you feel the same way? Um, no, I didn't find that. I uh, I don't know if I completely, as they say, blasted off or broke through. I uh, I I did see uh, what I see. It was like almost like little like like almost like these little things above above me. My eyes oh. were closed, but I saw it was almost like I'm, I'm it's almost like they were. I, I'm having trouble describing it. Um, it's it, that's the thing. It's like right as you come out of you, like trying, you're like talking about it and yeah. shit too, and you can like do it better. But the further away it gets, it's you think of, when Neuralink, when they're able to like link up to your brain, you're gonna <laughs> be able to like download your DMT <laughs> trip and watch it back. Well, so and it's I mean, really gonna be, be it's really gonna be a hundred and eighty years like little, long. It was almost like these little things were were coming up, uh, were like above me, and they were just they were giving me a a resounding feeling of everything's gonna be all right. Well, so really? so there there yeah. is there is five meo. And that's the God molecule. 
and there's NNDN. That's an incredible documentary. Oh, the God Molecule? That's an incredible oh, yeah. documentary. That's and, a trippy documentary. And then there's the NNDMT, which is um, the spirit molecule. So the difference between the two is that when you do the God Molecule, there is, there is a, it's a non-dual experience, meaning the fact that there isn't, uh, there isn't you and other. There's only the singularity. And it's hard to describe the singularity. It's hard to describe your place in the singularity, but it's, it's nothing that you can even comprehend. But the thing about it is when you feel it, you remember and you're like, oh my God, I, I, I have totally forgot what I am. I have totally forgot this feeling. And then you find yourself like, oh man, I'm glad that I'm back home. And the feeling that you feel is like home beyond home. Like this is it, I'm not leaving. I finally made my way back here. I'm done with all that crazy shit I'd experienced. And this is where I wanna be. And then as you're having this feeling of just realization and just remembering what you are, you start to come back to your body. And I remember when I started coming back to my body, I remember feeling this cold, damp darkness. And then I opened my eyes and seen the, like the sky above me, just very pixelated, almost as if like it's a video game coming back into into reality, but it was like a lot of, a lot of sacred geometry. Then it was like this layering of like, it just like the simulation coming back almost. That's what it looked like. Yeah. The doc, have you seen the, the documentary? It's very no. interesting. It's very yeah. interesting. Um, and that, you know, basically what they're, they're positing is kind of like, like that 28 gram theory, uh, the, yeah, soul. the soul. Yeah. Like the DMT is somehow the, the activation of the soul into the into the body and by taking the dmt you can remove the soul from the body and what they're positing is that that is that's you seeing the the singularity where the where all the souls reside and um it, it's a very interesting what's what's more interesting to me about dmt than anything else is people that have never met each other that are from all completely different walks of life seem to see the same thing yeah, like the like elves or sacred geometries. Uh, I feel like there's more like uh, like fairies or so, like there, yeah. There's different. There's different like like through lines. And my understanding of ayahuasca is it's it's DMT yeah. as well. So yeah, it's DMT, but these are all like there's all different levels of what the DMT will show you, and like um, the the programming on what we are from a vibratory sense uh, is so complex and so hard to explain because we have these energy bodies and these energy bodies that we have have the ability to, to be interdimensional. And it's hard to describe these interdimensions because it's almost like something from a, um, from a 5D reality trying to speak re their reality to something that's in 3d it just won't work the concepts the understanding are just not there you know what i'm saying so it's the same thing when you have these experiences with the the medicine you go to these realities and it's so beyond so far beyond 
this physical realm that it just doesn't fit and you can't really articulate it because it's uh, um it's beyond anything that we can comprehend. And, and this helped you come to terms with your athletic career winding down? You, you felt like there was something bigger than you or do you feel like there was a new purpose for you? Or? I mean, I just felt I just felt like what I truly was and and feeling what I truly was there was no there was no um nothing left to prove. Yeah, like like the human experience and 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 everything else like that is great, but the experience and and the essence of what we truly are is so so beyond anything that's comprehensible that if people truly knew what they what they are there there's no way that society would be the way that it is there's no way that there would be positions where people are governing you or over you or a thing like that unless you allow that to be but we live in a society where we're we're so trapped in our physical understanding of what we are in reality that we don't realize that what we are is outside of that big takeaway from today's episode is uh Punch people as often as possible, take DMT, and become ungovernable. That's what I'm talking about. I love this episode. This is great. Yeah, it's on brand for oh, sure. Oh, man. DMT is sure. the one thing like I want to do, but I'm genuinely a little bit afraid to do. But it's a, it's okay to be afraid. I mean, being afraid of it is, is, is good. Like, having a healthy fear of it, you should because it, it, it will, it's going to shift your life. It's not like it's not like it's not a movie. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of people want to like, oh, I want to have the experience. But it's like, bro, it's, it's not a movie. It's going to show you some things. And the thing about it is the fact that the medicine, once you open that gate of consciousness, because when you have your mindset right now, you know, you had your, your waking reality, then you know yourself in a dream state. But that's as far as, you know, your conscious experience, right? You may have been knocked out a few times or whatnot, but your consciousness pretty much are in, you know, that you understand. But when you have an experience, a conscious experience that's totally beyond anything that you can comprehend, now you know consciously that there's more to existence. And because you know that it exists, you're more susceptible to downloads. And it's funny to say downloads because there is like this knowingness, I guess the best way to say it, that would just kind of like, you'll feel like it just gives you information. You're like, I don't know how I know this, but I just know it. And it's really weird, but you start connecting like that. Yeah, I, I believe it's 100% a, a consciousness expander. All, all those types of like psychedelics, any experience I've had with them has, has been, I've like learned. I've, I've like learned and I've like grown from. You know? Yeah, so I mean, the reason why I even started doing it was because when I was trying to fight in New York City, I didn't get my license to fight because they said I had a frontal lobe injury that came back on my MRI. So when I was thinking about retiring, I'm like, damn, dude, I don't want to, I don't want to be trapped in my body. I don't want to, you know, be like Ali or something like that. Knock on wood. Uh, but I was really worried about my mental health, being the fact that I'm an analyst and things like that. So. I started to look, excuse me, I started looking into ways to um, kind of roll back some of the miles on the odometer. And I ran into a Paul Stamets and Joe Rogan interview. And that's when he was talking about the stack that he does, which is niacin, lion's mane, which is a functional mushroom, and psilocybin, which is the magic mushroom. 
and he was talking about the protocol that he uses and it helps with concussions and it helps with, you know, uh, uh, neuroregeneration. So I started to use it and I started to feel like, like I started to feel like real gains. Like I would train and not only was I able to see the opportunities when I was sparring, I was able to get to them. And when I felt like I was losing a step was because I'd be able to see it, but I was just too slow, but I started to really feel the benefits of it. And just to correct one thing, you didn't end your career on five straight losses because last year you came back. I we, did. And we got a dub. We got a dub in the column here. I got one. Yeah. So you are now part of a company that uh, deals in the mushroom world. Is that correct? Yep. Is yep. it your company? It's me, uh, Jake Plummer, the quarterback. From, really? Jake yep. the Snake? Wow. Jake, Jake the Snake Plummer. Jake wow. the Snake Plummer. From uh, from Colorado and Dem Denver Broncos, uh, Arizona State guy, uh, Arizona Cardinal guy, and Dell Jolly. Uh, he, I love Dell. You know, you know Dell. I know Dell. Yeah, okay. I spent yeah. some time with Dell. I did some stuff with uh, the Realm of Caring. Yeah. out in Colorado. Okay. Yeah, did, uh, yeah. We we did a bunch of stuff together. It was, it was, I, I love him. He's a great yeah, guy. So and Del, the the name of the company is? It's called Umbo. Pull, U, pull it back up, Chris. You can leave it up. Yeah. Scroll scroll up there a little bit so people can see what it is. Yeah, Tell yeah. us about Umbo. So Umbo, it, we 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 only have functional mushrooms, which are the lion's mane, the turkey tail, the reishi, the cordyceps, and the um the shiitake. And shiitake? Of, yeah, shiitake. Now shiitake is good for like hair and nails, and each of these different um different skews have like different things are good at like lion's mane is good for nerve uh, regeneration and is good for cognitive health and how do these things steps. taste in a marsala well i mean it depends on which one now if you if you lion's mane lion's mane is probably the best tasting mushroom ever really yeah i mean i love lion's, lion's mane, mane. I gotta get some, you're coming you're coming for portobello hard here uh, listen listen it was smack you got portobello. Porcini. it was smack portobello in the face <laughs> How dare you? Portobello is delicious. <laughs> well, and it's, and it's better for you. Yeah, lion's mane is for you. so good for you. They, so, like, there's things with mushrooms where, like, under, uh, and I think you might know about this, so correct me if I mess up at all. Um, but, like, there's, like, there'll be paths of mushrooms, like, connected, like, for miles yeah. under the ground. Yeah. Right? Like, they'll go through, like, they'll, like, they'll see, like, tree roots and they'll go around it and they'll connect into, and, and it can do the same thing, like, for, like, for your nerves. Yeah. Like connect things in your body. Yeah. And like there's a whole there's, like there's a lot of special pretty stuff viral about. video going around about how uh, Japan, because of so many fault lines, right, very difficult for them to connect their subway system. Yeah. So they had these oh, engineers. Yes, I saw that. They had these engineers trying to figure out what the most effective usage of their roadways would be. And then somebody, some genius, you know, or somebody who was probably like some twenty year old kid who was on boomers, like, I got an idea. And he put <laughs> out you know, uh, mushroom food. And with the map, right? Yes, where all of the subway stops they proposed were. And then they let the fungus grow. And it came up with a, a route that was something like 20% more efficient than any of their engineers. Wow. See, and, and, uh, and, that's, and that's amazing because the mycelium network is, is so important to the... Uh, to, 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 the, to the kingdom, the plant kingdom, and the fact that, you know, when, when the trees are out there, they pass nutrients and they pass information through the mycelium network. And, you know, I, I kind of believe that's one of the reasons why when you ingest these mushrooms that you just kind of get this download of, of this ancient knowledge of just 
of self because you're eating the knowledge of the earth. You know what I'm saying? Like imagine if the tree could talk. Think about think about the trees and think we about the it. story. You take mushrooms, bud. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about mushrooms right now, but just think about it. You already know. No, no, no. I, I, Is that uh, tree talking? I'm telling you. Well, you see them breathe sometimes. I mean, you see them breathe sometimes. Tree, trees are sentient, man. People don't believe it. Trees are sentient. Man. Yeah, you think so? Uh, 100%. Man, Sean Salmon over here is watching this going, I got my head kicked off by a motherfucker who thinks trees are sent <laughs> Hug a tree. Hug a tree. He's like, why don't you just hug me, man? That was brutal. That's cool, man. So you're you're like, you're, you're the that was research. Umbo? Umbo. Umbo, U-M-B-O. Yep, you can go to okay. getumbo.com, sign up for our newsletter, and get some special deals. And I'm going to get on Umbo. We 100%. Now, this is legal to, to sell this right now? Yeah, it's legal because it's functional. And it's like the it's lion's not, mane, like, is it, is, do you have reishi? Or yeah, lion's mane, reishi. The turkey tail is a very important one. Yeah. And if you're, you know, uh, with, with all the, you know, the, the things that are going on as far as, you know, with gut health. That's what I keep hearing is that the new mushroom thing is like if you can replace coffee with this mushroom mix, apparently. Yeah, it's, 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 it's amazing for your body what mushrooms can do because it's an adaptogen and it brings your body to homeostasis. And, and when you start to bring your body levels up and really start to take care of some of the issues that you may not even know you have, you start to really relieve yourself of the symptoms that represent themselves as disease. You know, you start getting to the root cause and that's a problem with a lot of allergies allopathic medicine is the fact that it doesn't get to the root cause. You know, you're only taking things for symptoms and after a while you need a medicine for the medicine. So when you start to really get involved with the mushrooms and start taking it, it, it really resets your body in, in such a way that it allows your body to heal itself. Like the body's meant to do the body's meant to heal itself. And it's like, you know, when you get a cut on your arm, you're going to get a scab and it's going to form and pretty soon the scab's going to fall off, but that wound is going to heal. The same thing happens on the inside, but the only thing that's that, that we don't really focus on the fact that, you know, like the, the arm scratch or scar or whatever, you got to keep it clean, but we don't keep our insides clean. We're not, we're not doing things to make sure that we're constantly detoxing. We always want to consume, but we're not really focused on detoxing the body. Yeah. And that's why for me, like I spend a lot of my time, you know, like I'll fast and I won't eat till like maybe like one o'clock fast, intermittent fasting. What does this word mean? <laughs> what is not this? running. We're not talking about oh, running. Yeah, here. It's even worse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but listen, intermittent fasting, it allows your body a chance to just get rid of some of the stuff you just consume. And, and listen, I love to eat things. I love to consume. But at the end of the day, you have to realize that. There's a ratio that has to, to to play out, and if you're not, if you're off in a ratio, then you can start developing a lot of bad things that happen. The body can get very septic. Mm. Now, a guy that's incredibly interesting, man. Now, a guy that's been through the fight game as much as you have. You look at a guy like Mickey coming up, coming off of an injury here, coming back, starting the second part of his career. What advice do you got for for a guy like Mickey if you were in his position? I already position? got a bunch today, but yeah. please, I, I would I would tell Mickey, you know, write out your plan. Write out your plan and, and what you truly want. And writing out your plan and what you truly want, it will be a roadmap to what you need to do. And when you become connected with what you wrote down and when you start believing what you wrote down, then you'll start seeing it come to fruition. But you have a pen and you have a, pay, uh, a pad 
and you're supposed to write your spells in it. Cast your spells. Be the magician. Start writing down what you want. And once you start to do that, you'll start realizing that things that you may have never thought were possible are somehow possible. But it has to start up here and has to start in here. So oh, I would have yeah. thought like maybe like keep your left hand higher, throw like a front kick, like something. Ah, he, uh, he knows how to fight. He's a fighter, man. He's a he's a he's a he's a he's a dog in there, man. I seen Mickey fight. Mickey's a dog in there, man. I'm joking. Just <laughs> joking. Yeah, we. I so know what, we're getting down. To what it. uh what other uh, businesses do you have going on now? I know you know we see on ESPN one of my favorites on there. Like the way you you uh you talk about the fighters. I a big uh. There's certain guys like I think, and I, I'll, I'll even call them out a little bit. I think DC almost sounds like a like a fan, like a like a shitty fan sometimes when he's calling the fights. Yeah, I think like he's like like he shits on guys a lot. And I, I've I've had the I had the opportunity to commentate fights last weekend, and I'm going to be doing more of that. Yeah. Um, and I, I just think I think like the way you do it is like you you I, I feel like you you speak highly and you give respect and like you're, you're like you're not like taking the the piss out of people. Yeah, you know I, I, mean? I, I try not. I try not to, and I try not to be that. I try to be the kind of um, analyst that I could hear, that I would, uh, that I would have been able to hear from. You know, because sometimes when you're in that position, like a lot of a lot of uh, athletes, they they take it the wrong way. Like for well, instance, you don't just want to be a fanboy either. You got a job to do. Yeah, you got you got a job to do. You know, you, you got a job. But there's to ways do. to say, there's ways to say things, and I think you walk that line very well. Yeah, I, I try to, but I mean, I even get myself in some, 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 uh, thank you. I even get myself in some, you know, some, some trouble sometimes like, uh, just the other day, not the other day, but like a, a couple months ago, um, Bilal Muhammad, I see him at the fights in Miami. He's like, yo, we got beef. And I'm like, for, for what? And he's like, man, you know, you know, you said I didn't deserve a title shot. You said, it, uh, Kobe deserved a title shot. And I was like, <laughs> Yeah, and he's and, like, but he's yeah. like, but he's like, nah, nah. But I'm on a nine fight win streak. But I'm like, I, I, I totally get that. I get you on a nine fight win streak. But, I, but, but this I dude just took Usman five rounds. I don't think I didn't. I didn't think that he arrived to where he is right now. Like right now, there's no doubt in my mind he deserves to have a title shot. But. He had like he needed one more. He needed one more. He needed he needed one more. He needed one and more. And he, he got needed, it. And yeah. he got it. He needed one more fight. And when I said that, he didn't like that. But I was keeping it real. He needed one more fight. Yeah. Also, let's let's pull the pull the veil back a little bit. People in media, if you just say the easy thing, it's boring. We do want a little bit of conversation. We do want a little bit of controversy. We do want a little bit of click. Yeah, we I maybe mean, want say some. Maybe sometimes we say things that we ninety nine percent believe, but we add a little one percent on it to get you arguing in the old algorithm. There, I mean, yeah, it's part I mean, of it. Yeah, I mean, but you, you you do get cussed out if you're an analyst and you say something. Oh, you Rashad doesn't know shit. He's stupid. He's you know they go. Crazy. Crazy sometimes, man. No, I, think, I think statement. I think you gotta I think you gotta keep it you gotta keep now, it Stephen real. Stephen A. Smith on the other hand, yeah. I think you gotta keep it real and like speak your truth. Yeah. But like you know, there's way like if if there's someone who if you're like I can I can give a specific example. When I was calling the fights this weekend, there's one guy really long, great striker, but he would punch and he would kind of step in and stay in the zone. Yeah. So I I wouldn't just be like oh he's he's a terrible 
distance control. I'd be like, he is, he's, this dude is, a, is such a good striker. Like, he's, he's cracking with, the, with that right hand. If he steps back, he's going to be even bigger problems. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right, like, just, right. I just think there's ways to say it where you're not, like, shitting on someone who's in there oh, fighting for I, their life. Yeah. Totally. You know what I mean? So you brought, up, you brought up Brendan Schaub before. My whole thing with Brendan Schaub was we had our little talk on Well, he's PDD. an example of someone who says, uh, well, who, my who point. does the opposite of what I'm saying. This is, uh, and this is exactly where I agree. Like, I walked out of there. We were cool. We had our little, you know, repartee or whatever. And then, and then he goes on Rogan. And he's just like shitting on me. And I'm like, where the fuck is this coming from? Like, I don't disagree with anything that you're saying, but we were past this. Like, what, like, what's oh, the guys, point of this? You guys thing? got into a little spat? Kind of, yeah. Like, from, for no reason. Like, uh-huh. on PBD, he brought up, uh-huh. um, he brought up, like, that I was an athlete too. And Brennan was like, well, he was a minor league baseball player. Let's relax. And I'm like, I didn't fucking say it. Patrick did. <laughs> like, and also, by the way, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, like, what, like, was, he I, jo- I, was he joking around? No, he was, joking. he was dead ass serious. Oh, like, he was like, trying to, like, he was, he was, like uh fucking he was trying to big league me man and i'm sitting here going like all right bro like i put a couple years into this thing i did some sacrificing too i never said i would but patrick that's, said that's it, a not big me. deal though make, making it to the minor leagues i mean that shit is tough dude. Every, almost everybody in america plays baseball at some point like growing up there's yeah. everyone's on on a t-ball yeah. team little league doing that shit so, so yeah I, so he I got so in the i tried patrick brought it up i tried to like give him his props then he came back he was like yeah well, did you play uh d1 at at uh at fucking colorado no i did my research and i was like did you i have the same amount of receptions you did what the fuck you talking about <laughs> like, don't big league me dog and then so we had our little thing and it, it ended up being great i did a show with him yeah he invited me on a show it was great and then he goes on rogan and just is like you know these guys act like they were athletes joe i had to put them in their fucking place and i'm sitting here watching this going the fuck just happened here the fuck <laughs> is going on so you so, know so uh what other businesses you got uh going on other than i don't you have a bar right over here that we went to well i was involved with the bar over here uh over at hijinks but you know it didn't end up working out um it's kind of hard to be in that business when you're married and things like that man i mean especially with the bartenders you have over there <laughs> oh my god uh, we gotta we gotta I'm, I'm not, no, about no, it no, no we, free went, we went but because it, we uh we g thought it was your it was you know your spot so, yeah. we, so we went one night for the fights yeah. and uh we got the smacky on the boo-boo so, sauce smacky okay. on the boo-boo smacky on the boo-boo right yeah, those, was uh, good. those hot sauce so have you have you guys watched hot ones where they eat the hot wings yeah, and they, yeah. they keep getting hotter and hotter so when we had those, and, and sometimes on the show, those people talk about getting like high or, or like almost like a drunk feeling from the heat. Yeah. I got that from the oh, heat. Dude, boy oh, dude, boy got, was sweating. Bro, I was not, it's like sweating. I felt, but I felt I good. I couldn't eat like that, I man. I felt good. Oh. I felt good. Like it, it, I, I had like a, a rush. The, I, had, I had like a rush The other thing it. that's hilarious about this is Mickey hates hates going to the bar with civilians watching the fight oh, because because so, they, they, they hate, start yelling shit out and he you can see his face he just wants to get into it with everybody he's, he's just like I'm just gonna eat this wing now the wings <laughs> making me uncomfortable I'm having the worst time <laughs> no the wings I had a great time I had a great yeah. time and no I don't I yeah, I, I might roll my eyes, but I'm I'm never gonna be like, hey, oh, actually, it's supposed. You know me, I, I know, never. <laughs> but I can see your eyes. You're saying to it, like, the, yeah, you're saying it to eyes, them. Yeah. Oh yeah, especially when they're yelling out at things. Just throw the elbow. Dude, just hit him with the elbow, bro. <laughs> what the heck? How hard is it? Do you ever hear? Did you ever hear the audience when you were in the in the ring? Did like when they were booing? If you oh, if yeah. you if there was no action, where you're like, oh man, I better take a shot here. Or all the time, all yeah. the time. But it, it was very spirit. Uh, 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 very like um periodic because like every every once in a while like i would just be locked in right i'm locked very in. very sporadic the, yeah very sporadic yeah. very sporadic because at, at sometimes 
I'll be locked in. And then other times I'll hear like somebody say something stupid. I'm like, that was dumb. And I'm like, wait, back to the fight. Back yeah, to the fight. Back to the fight. We were just, so we had uh, Jim Miller along with Frankie Edgar on our live podcast. And J- uh, Gerard asked like how much you hear from your corner when you fight. And Jim's like N- almost nothing. Like almost nothing. Even at, now he has the most fights and uh, most wins in the UFC. But he's still hearing nothing. I, I would That's think, crazy. I, you would think like you, you know, you'd get here. a little – you'd get like a little uh, – like the more you'd, you'd do it, the more you'd hear. Right. But uh, I, I feel I feel pretty much the same way. It's, it's sporadic. It's little bits and pieces. It's like you'll hear something, but then you're locked in. And, and I think for the most part, you should be in that tunnel vision where you're, you're you know, you're locked into the fight. Yeah. You're just you're in it. You're totally in that like kind of in that flow state. You yeah, know? it's 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 truly a gift to just like have your mind just be completely barren from any kind of thoughts, and you just it's really just out beautiful. there. It's the most beautiful thing in the world, and that's the best part about being in a fight is the fact that like. There's no thoughts going on. It's just reacting. I think one of the one of the most underratedly hard things about your sport is it's the only sport where you don't get to warm up on the surface you fight at. Like uh, baseball, yeah, you got yeah. batting practice sure. for the game. You get to get your visualization down. You know where your hot cues are. Football, you're warming up on your half of the field. You're getting a feel for the environment. You guys are back there backstage, and then you're in this cage, and the very first time you're in this environment, you're seeing the sights, you're smelling the smells. It's you and another trained animal, and it's 15 minutes for your life. Yeah, There's yeah. like sensory overload. There's no like finding your center, I would imagine. Man. No, it's a lot of visualization. Like. What we what we'll do is we'll get there early and we'll do like a little walkthrough and kind of mm. sit in the canvas, move around a little bit, just kind of, you know, touch it as much as possible and, and get as mint is like get as much feel for it as you can. So that way ground you yourself. Get, yeah, you, you're grounding yourself. Right. You're grounding yourself. And then when you you you're able to walk away, you're able to bring up all the feels and how it's going to feel, how the light's going to hit it. But there's nothing like on fight day, like when you're walking out, because as the fight goes on and you're like the last one to fight, the mat is kind of looking like uh, a work of art. There's blood here, there's blood there. And you just like, when you get into the cage, you're like, ooh, that's that spot where that buddy was getting his ass. <laughs> <laughs> you see, like all these spots. Is it, of, is it slick at that part of the night? Is it is it roughed up? Is it can it, it can be. Sometimes it, it's like there's spots where it hasn't really been broken in. You know what I'm saying? So it's still kind of got like a newness to it. But then there's other spots where they just been wearing it out the whole night, where it's kind of wet and it's kind of like. A lot of, like some slippage and stuff like are that. Are the cages the same from fight to fight, or is there more bounce in some? Is some harder than others? Or the bounce remains the same, but it's it's the the decals on it that kind of changes for me because yes. some has more stickers on it than others, and when there's more stickers, it's a little slicker surface. T- but t- and typically, like the canvas is almost like sandpaper. Yeah. Right. Like if if you if you end up wrestling a lot that night, like your knees Cooked. the next day, like you go to put the hotel sheets, you don't even want the hotel sheets. Touch- your you knees because oh you're all gosh. yeah you're 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 like raw yeah you know but it's i think it's great traction for your feet yeah the traction for your feet it's almost like you have cleats on yeah. you know what i mean like you feel like you feel very like it, you know very able to move but then when you hit the ground you're you're chewing yourself up ouchie but you, yeah. i bet you don't feel it no though. not you feel it the next day yeah, you feel you, the next you're not taking the shower you, you no feel it when you take there. a shower when you take a shower you feel it oh my gosh yeah, maybe no i should bueno. go to the hospital what, <laughs> what are your thoughts on open scoring here at slick and thick we are very big proponents of open scoring what about you um i don't know man i don't i don't know if it it'll really help to be honest but i feel like it, it will hold 
the uh, judge is a little bit more accountable, and I and I felt and I like that aspect of it. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, honestly, I, I think it. It, it could be it, it could actually work out to be better to be honest because of the fact that that's how we the, feel. the accountability factor is going to change what these judges put down because now they're operating in such an uh in real time yeah yeah they're, uh-huh. they're, and, and that's the thing like these judges they they get away with just like scoring some shit you're just like wait what and and it kind of ruins it because you 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 look like the last fight uh i forget what the fight it was but you know um, oh yeah, Kara so, France so, so, is that the one? Kai Kara France, Kai Kara yeah. France, and and, um, and uh, Albazi. You know those two. You know you can be like, okay, I can see how Albazi won, but then you look at the scorecard and you see the round that they gave me. You're just like, wait, this shit don't make no sense because I yeah. know that Kai Kara France for sure won that round. So does I ESPN think, let you say I, that stuff, or are I they think, like you can't go after the judges? Nah, ESPN they let they let you say whatever you want to say. Cool. I think. Uh, it would also be cool from the standpoint one it's it's like it's the only sport where you don't know what the score is going into you know what i mean right. going through it but then you go into the if you know you're down 02 going to the third and they put that up there that you like you know you got to you got to get them out of there yeah you, you know. know what i mean you know you, so i think it kind of it can almost it can make it it can make it even more compelling mm-hmm. a little bit where you like you this guy this guy knows he might you he might think he just needs to edge out of the the third round but no he has to finish the third round right. he's down 0-2 on on all the scorecards so you somebody I mean? somebody hit me up after the um, Mikey and Tommy episode and they said it works for MMA because it's five it's three rounds or five rounds it wouldn't work for boxing because if somebody wins seven rounds the next five are unwatchable so I get that right. agree but I think MMA it makes all MMA, the sense in the world yeah. Yeah, I agree. Now, two more questions before we let you go, champ. And if they, if you're gonna get in trouble, you're welcome to, you're welcome to say no. Okay. But when you became the champion of the world, I imagine the DMs started getting a little different. Now, this might have been MySpace DMs <laughs> back then. But who is the baddest chick to get in them DMs when you were when you were rocking the strap? Oh man, I don't. Jeez. Name, names, name, names. I don't even have any names to be honest, man. I never, I never, I never was out there like that, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, 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 uh, I had my one little wild time, uh, but it, it was just different back then, man. Like it, it was, it was different. Like people still trying to figure out like what MMA was going to be. You know, like we were, we were really um, fighting for our, our. Uh, our ability to say that we we're part of a legit sport. What a know? great time in 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 UFC history, though. My God, I mean, every every time there was just epic fight after epic fight, epic characters. It wasn't as corporate as it is today, you nah, know. Was, and, and that's what I miss about that those times, man. I yeah. miss about those times because I felt like back then um, UFC was like a, a a moving circus, and everybody were just like family on that circus, you know, and. It you know we we were we were down for each other. You knew the people who checked you in. You had a great relationship with them, and they knew you, and they knew the shit that you pulled. And you know they 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 it was it was such so much more of a feel to it, you know. And um, it was different fighting for the organization. Well, even Mickey was just watching a documentary on uh, Lee Murray. Oh, Lee Murray, yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's one of the stories about this massive 
massive UFC brawl in the, the 4 a.m. in the streets of London where, uh, you know, yeah, Chuck Liddell that. is taking on like four dudes. They're all and... coked up in vodka Red Bulls <laughs> and <laughs> out, yeah. out, out in London There's, there's no USADA in London, is there, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> and apparently Lee yeah. Murray knocks out Tito Ortiz. Tito swears to God it never happens. Oh, Everybody yeah. that was there swears it does. And I mean, that's the type of stories that made the UFC the UFC. It was I like, mean, I got to yeah. see this stuff. It's I, almost like WWF stories, man. It's like, it, it really was. And like back in those days, man, those fighters were bananas. They were crazy, man. A lot were, more, yeah, a lot more cowboys, a lot more outlaws back in that day. Oh, those dudes are, those dudes are like, like, Fighters are a little crazy, but those dudes are fucking crazy as shit. Like, you talking about like the uh, who, who's the guy who talks manly? Fry. Oh, oh man, the, the, man, oh, man. yeah. Back back though, back then, them, them dudes are nuts, man. Them dudes are nuts, man. They they sparring without mouthpieces. They didn't give a fuck. <laughs> they, There's something to that. I mean, from a fan's perspective. Now, as sure. you meet people and you love them, you're like, come on, don't do that. Yeah, but, but at the same time, it's like. I'd watch that. Yeah, they, I mean, it, they were savage, man. They were some savage, old, grimy. And here's the thing about it: like the training went along with it. Like it was, it was like that for the longest time in MMA, where it wasn't even about like, like I remember we would do training where we'd be like, all right, we're gonna start with the choke already in. If you get choked, you know what I'm saying? Like it, it was impossible. You're definitely gonna get choked out. But it was all about being tough and about you know we'll beat the hell out of each other and all these different things that we used to do. I remember Greg Jackson. He would he would torture us, man. Greg would be like, all right, we're going in the mountains and we'd be like 15,000 feet up in, in the Sandia Mountains and we're running up these sprints and we got to do 49 of them and it's it's the worst mm, feeling. It's a you, rattlesnake chain. If you can oh dodge a wrench, God. you can dodge a ball. It, it was it was crazy, man. <laughs> Greg was crazy back then and if you didn't if you didn't do the run right all right you're gonna do it again you're like no <laughs> you're crying and shit who do you think was the craziest guy that you ever fought who was the like the, the like mickey says the cowboy who's the biggest cowboy you had to had to wrangle craziest the craziest yeah. oh man you're saying that he's fought or that well yeah or anybody really. i mean i'm just i'm so fascinated by I'm, that era I'm, I'm of the ufc you know? say just yeah just that you've experienced even more so just a character Man, there's so many. Shoney was one of the bigger characters. Shoney Carter. Shoney was a, Shoney oh, was a character. Yeah. Shoney was a character for sure. Oh, man, um, I've had so many he fought, characters. He fought that, in a speedo. Yeah, I, I've yeah. had so many fighters that like so many crazy guys along the times that just never like was on the big UFC. Like one of my crazy, what <laughs> one of my craziest guys that uh, that um, that I used to enjoy training with. It was uh, Ali Abdelaziz. He's a manager now, but Ali was Ali was something else, man. He was, he was crazy. Ali was crazy. Now, I had never knew that you were such a big trash talker. Now you hear obviously about Chell. You remember him blowing kisses and grabbing, I remember his, grabbing blowing his kisses. junk. I don't remember the grabbing the junk part. Oh hell yeah! I must have blocked it out. Get in the, their head, man. He's playing <laughs> yeah. psychological warfare. That's well, that's you grew, you grew up in, in Michigan, correct? I grew up in Niagara Falls. Niagara, Niagara Falls. You wrestled so, Michigan State. I wrestled Michigan, Michigan State. State. Yeah, yep. So you're Sparty. I'm a Spartan. You're a Spartan, man. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, that transitioned, obviously, you went from Michigan State, transitioned into... So you grew up in Niagara Falls, New York. You're basically a Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And now you... Does that... Does, so GSP and then you, the two greatest Canadian two greatest fighters Canadian. Of, all, of all time. And now... So you, you come over here and was the transition into MMA being a wrestler, do you think, easy? It was so easy. It was like something that... I felt like it was like a natural transition from my wrestling. Like I felt like, oh man, I should have been punching a long time ago. 
And I couldn't believe it because at the time I was working at, the, uh, as a, at a hospital, putting bodies into the morgue and doing security work and things like that. And, you know, I would just be like, man, you know, what is it all going to be like when it's all said and done? And I'm like, you know what? I, I just want to say that I lived to my fullest potential. So that's when I really started to pour my heart into just fighting in general. And, um, you know, I would, I would train, you know, uh, I would train during the day, work at night and then wake up and then do it all over again. And we would drive out to Coldwater, Michigan, which is probably like an hour and a half where I was at in Lansing and we'd train with Dan Severin and his team over there. And, you know, back then it was, it was so much better, not better, but it was just like UFC wasn't sanctioned all over the place. So you fought in these like little smokers all over the place. Well, you're and, like one of the connective tissues from those older guys yeah. to this modern corporate monster that it is. You're yeah. like, you know, you're talking about Dan Severn and we're talking about Chuck Liddell and and then, you know, we're also talking John Jones and the other side on the yeah. you know, you're you're part of that group that helped it get over that hump to become, you know, obviously what Dana White made into this multi-billion dollar, you know, this legitimately thought of sports entertainment league i mean right up there with major league baseball the nfl the ufc is right there yeah it is it is and i feel like um you know we we've we've been constantly growing and and really showing that we can be a leader in the top three sports and i feel like when we came back from COVID first was a big step in that direction but the ufc has done a great job of really constantly bringing their brand up to the level and really, you know, making us one of the premier sports to watch. But back then, you know, it was called, it wasn't even called MMA. It was called NHB, No Holds Bar. And part of their whole, you know, facelift of, of really changing things around was kind of changing the idea of who was these fighters, you know, and the ultimate fighter was a big part of changing that identity. These guys are not these, you know, guys in a bar. These guys are your brothers. These guys are your... Yeah, it's your, not the Tank Abbott. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. They, they showed us the, the story behind the fighters and it really changed the way that people viewed MMA. Now, last question before we get you out of here. Uh, do you think now, as a fan, obviously, I don't know like you guys know, back then, it felt like the marketing was more fighter-centric. You knew who Chuck Liddell was. Chuck Liddell was on TV shows and all these other things. You knew who Boss Rutan was. You knew who Fedor was. It was very much the fighter was the draw. Now, I can't tell you half the time who is you know, the headline of the UFC, I just know it's UFC 289, it's UFC 270. The UFC is the draw. And I think that's something right. that they've made a, a conscientious decision. Like, you root for the New York Giants. You kind of don't care who wears the uniform. Right, exactly. And I think the UFC's kind of gone that direction. Do, do you think the fighters need to do something to make sure that they're getting their personal marketing? So that I mean, at the end of the day, that's, that's your brand. You can't, you know, or yeah. is just being affiliated with the UFC enough? No, I feel like, you know, even from the UFC standpoint, I feel like, you know, they only can reach a certain level of growth unless they have we, we, that. Specifically, I'm talking like Nganu, right? Yeah. Is it better for Nganu to be Nganu everywhere else, or is it better for Nganu just to be another guy in the UFC? Well, I feel like him being Nganu, uh, you know, definitely is more probably more beneficial for him, but at the same time, you know, with the UFC, it's it, it brings more eyes, no no doubt about it. But you know, I, I feel as if like the way that Connor came up in the game, he kind of shook the mold as far as like 
being that franchise guy, you know, and there really hasn't been that too many franchise people in the UFC that has that that standalone by themselves where they can rival the brand. You know, you have the Ronda Rousey, you have the Brock Lesnar, and then you have the Conor McGregor. And, and they really, really set the precedent of being able to, you know, be the big fighter outside of that. But the thing is, each and every single one of those situations it kind of happened organically. It wasn't something that the UFC did. It was something that just kind of happened organically. And I feel like the UFC is is great as far as like building their brand, but I feel like even if they did push stars a little bit more like you see guys like Conor McGregor, then it can be more beneficial to their brand as well too, you know, because uh, there's, there's doors that, you know, a single fighter can open that, you know, an organization just really can't. Agreed. Awesome. Mick, you got anything else for him? Nah, man. Thank you for your time, brother. One hey, of the best of all time. I appreciate you, Yeah. Man. Yeah. The You're champ, awesome. Rashad Evans. They can thank check you. out Umbo. Check it out. Uh, that's one more time. That's where can they find it? Uh, GetUmbo.com and sign up for the newsletter to figure out what we got going on next. That's awesome, man. Rashad Evans, Mickey Gall. That's Christian over there. This has been Gas Digital. I'm Gerard Michaels. We will see you guys Monday at 1 o'clock. Peace.